Blessed are the Merciful and the Me Too movement on this episode of Between the Lines. I'm Peter LaRufa. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. I recently preached a sermon on Matthew 5 and verse 7, which reads, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Towards the end of that sermon, uh, my third point in my outline was this. Kingdom people are aware of those who are hurting and do acts of mercy and compassion in response. And I decided to reference two movements that are gaining steam and gaining momentum and are probably going to be around for quite some time that we're going to be interacting with as we continue to live in this world that while it's not our home, it's still a place that we're passing through and we'll be spending quite some time, all things being equal. One of those movements was the LGBT plus movement, which I explained in a previous episode. And the second movement was the Me Too movement. Now, the Me Too movement is a movement against sexual assault and harassment, especially against women, but not limited to women, especially in the workplace, but not limited to that either. It actually started in 2006. It just didn't get nearly as much of the groundswell it has since its resurgence around this time last year when I believe it was Alyssa Milano who tweeted something with the hashtag MeToo, and now everybody has social media, way more than people had it back in 2006, and so it has gained a lot more steam in recent days. Now, I'm not endorsing the movement or knocking the movement. I realize there's a ton of agendas. There's a ton of strings attached to the MeToo movement. I'm not really here to talk about that. I wanted to talk about how we might apply it as we consider some of the things that I'm about to speak of. In a recent Barna study, the results showed that 2 to 6% of the Me Too accusations have been proven to be false. Now, let me explain that to you. That doesn't mean that everybody who tweets something with the hashtag Me Too is telling the truth. But what it does mean is that 2 to 6% of the Me Too accusations that actually are investigated, that actually go to trial, that actually are looked into, have been proven to be false. So if you do the math of those accusations that have gone the whole distance. That means 94 to 98% of the accusations to some degree hold water. And so I think those accusations should at least get our attention, always keeping in mind that people are innocent until proven guilty, but they should not just simply be dismissed as a phenomenon. So the week prior to this sermon that I preached, I was speaking with someone about the sermon, about the text, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, mercy, and they asked me if I was if I had considered making mention of how it relates to the Me Too movement, and I was, quite frankly, completely baffled. I was puzzled. I just, I, I had no plan on making any mention of it. And I asked them why they asked me such a question, and they said that they had recently read that uh, members of the Mormon religion were being dissuaded from coming forward with their stories, with their uh, desires to participate in this movement to some degree, and uh, tell people that so-and-so did this to them. And they were doing that, they were being dissuaded on the grounds of mercy. So instead of coming forward, instead of talking to civil uh, authorities or authorities within their religion, they are being told that they shouldn't do that because they have been called to be people of mercy. Now, let me make this quite clear. Mormons are not Christians. Uh, However, I do think that that same line of thinking could perhaps apply 
to Christians as they look at the text of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, and they see that mercy is lauded, and mercy means we're, we're not treating people as they deserve, just like Christ hasn't treated us as we deserve. So therefore, perhaps coming forward in a situation like that as a victim of sexual abuse would not be merciful, and perhaps they should not do so. So I wanted to help the people in our church understand why that perspective, in my opinion, that argument, in my opinion, doesn't hold water. Now, earlier in the sermon, I said it, and I'll say it again without apology. Forgiven people forgive people. When God forgives us, he doesn't forget our sin. He's omniscient. He can't forget. We need to stop saying that. He does something very differently. He chooses to not remember. That's not the same as forgetting. Forgetting is passive. Choosing to not remember is active. We read that in verses like Jeremiah 31 and verse 34, where God says specifically, their sin I will remember no more, and in other places in the scriptures. For you to forgive someone means you likewise choose to not remember the sin against them. You choose to not associate them with the sin they've committed against you. You won't hold it against them. You don't seek to personally punish them. You have, in a sense, released them from the obligation that they put on themselves when they've sinned against you. However, remember the context of this point. Uh, I said point number three in my outline, kingdom people are aware of those who are hurting and do acts of mercy and compassion in response. With that in mind, here's the deal. One person coming forward saying that she or he had been sexually assaulted by another person is, in and of itself, an act of mercy and compassion. And here are two reasons why. First of all, it's very rare, extremely rare, that people who act in this manner get the help they need on their own. Very, very rare. That someone were to just stop all of a sudden and say, I've got to stop this behavior. Coming forward as a victim is very hard, but not coming forward in the name of mercy is actually not merciful at all because the person whom you're whom you're basically uh, speaking about could get the help they need by you coming forward and they likely won't seek it on their own. And it's very, very rare that they would ever seek it on their own. Therefore, by you coming forward, you're helping them to stop the bleeding that they don't even know is happening or that they don't even have the wherewithal to stop themselves. Secondly, coming forward is an act of mercy towards another person, another potential victim, since it's rare, very rare, that the person doesn't strike again. You see, if you are the victim of such an assault, you may see yourself as the sole victim. You might be the only victim that you know of when it comes to this particular person. But I'm telling you that it's very rare that that's the case. I'm not an old man, but I'm not as young as I once was. I've been in pastoral ministry now for over 17 years. It's been my experience that sexual sin develops a unique wagon wheel rut. So if you go out west, you can see the wagon wheel ruts that are still in the ground from when people crossed over to the to the other side of the country in wagons many, many, many years ago, uh, navigating new frontiers. There's still wagon wheel ruts in the ground there. It's been my experience that sexual sin develops a unique, similar rut in somebody's mind, in somebody's heart, in somebody's life that takes a long time to go away, doesn't typically go away by itself, and life tends to just fall back into that rut all over again. Can you steer out of it? You most certainly can. But it's just so, the, the wheel just fits so perfectly in that rut, it tends to fall back into there over and over again, unless 
specific, focused, fairly concentrated, and most likely long-term help is sought and received. So I don't think it to be inconsistent for one to claim they love Christ, say they've forgiven the person, but still come forward and say, I have been a victim of sexual abuse. We're reminded in Romans 13 that the civil authorities that exist are in place because God has appointed them to be so. Romans 13, verses 3 and following, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Verse 4, But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. I believe it is a God-ordained function of the government to, generally speaking, provide general protection for society at large, and so I don't think it to be inconsistent with the scriptures or unmerciful for one to come forward in a situation like that. Now, of course, there's a ton of questions to be asked, right? No two situations are alike. What is the motivation behind this person coming forward? Those are good questions to ask and questions that should be considered. But I wanted to make sure that we realize that the argument that the Mormon religion or members of the Mormon religion are putting forward does not hold water. Coming forward to say, I've been a victim of sexual abuse and to wanting to see that person brought to justice is not necessarily unmerciful. I think people should do so, and I think they should do so with gentleness, with clarity, with respect, and with the glory of God and the protection of others involved. They should do so in the name of mercy. And by that, that probably means that social media is not the place to begin to make that matter known, but your local authorities, be they civil or ecclesiastical or both. And if that's you, if you have been a victim of sexual abuse, Regardless of what you think of any movement, regardless of any affiliation you have with any group, regardless of really any uh, religion that you're a part of, you need to know that I and Pastor Aaron and our church and our elders stand ready to help you in what I believe to be an act of courage on your part and mercy towards others. There is hope. There is help. You are valued and you are loved. <laughs>